truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand on The Blaze. This is The Steve Dace Show. That would be me. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-933-93 is the number if you'd like to join us today. You can also email us, steve at stevedace.com. Last name is D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. Our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will take us inside politics at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Some Theology Thursday coming up later today as well as Lila Rose from Live Action on all of the pro-life news that continues to be breaking over the last few weeks and months. What does it mean? We will discuss that and more a little bit later on today. One of the things that uh, we have we've observed over the years on this show is bad republicans always 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 lead to worse democrats never fails think of a time there was a bad republican in the white house and what we mean by bad is bad really bad on policy just giving the democrats what they want bad in your state house bad in your governor's mansion and when they're replaced by the democrat what happens well they they set they, they moved the Overton window to what is the new acceptability, and they just use that as the baseline of how to push further left. That's what we mean by bad Republicans, always equals, and leads to worse Democrats. And right now, we've got some bad Republican behavior happening in the Department of Health and Human Services. And that's why one of the uh, causes that we're supporting right now with the show uh, is something our friends at FreedomWorks are trying to push back against. Uh, and this is, I, I don't even know how you become Trump's HHS secretary as Alex Azar has and think, you know, I, I, I really think what this administration ought to do is have foreign countries dictate the American people's health care. But that's exactly what is going on right now. Um, they're letting uh, foreign countries, Secretary Azar, he's letting foreign countries dictate the prices of our medicine. There is absolutely nothing America first about that whatsoever. If if you want to help FreedomWorks push back here uh, and get the administration's uh, policy here from the Department of Health and Human Services back on an America first track, they need your help. They're taking that stand, but they can't be successful alone. They need our help. Lend your voice to the cause www.freedomworks.org www.freedomworks.org slash dace all right lend your name to say hey fix patients not prices and there is nothing america first about letting foreign governments dictate and foreign countries dictate our health care here in the united states all right freedomworks.org slash dace that's freedomworks.org slash dace and now here's aaron with what happened while we were away What happened while we were away brought to you by Just Kill All the Babies. Pro-abortion rallies were held in various locations yesterday to protest the recent spat of pro-life bills across the country. Here's a sampling of what they were like. We'll start off with a Planned Parenthood muckety-muck from New York City. This is a coordinated attack in order to drive care underground, but also to force a national showdown in our Supreme Court about access to our constitutional and human rights. And it's not just an attack on women, it's an attack on anyone who can or might get pregnant. 
including transgender men and gender non-conforming people. Representative Donna Shalala. And we will protect access to abortions for all. Representative Tim Ryan. When are these legislators gonna give a about the baby once it's born? Senator Maisie Hirono bragged about how she told eighth graders she's protecting their right to an abortion. And I asked the girls in that group of eighth graders, how many of you girls think that government should be telling us women when and if we want to have babies? Not a single one of them raised their hand. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. What would you say to taxpayers out there who say, look, I support everyone having their own freedoms, but that when it comes to my tax dollars, abortion isn't something that I want to support? You know, uh, we have a tenet in our constitution. It's called separation of church and state. And uh, I do not believe that that is a valid argument. And when pro-lifers showed up. When does the life begin then? New York Times headline, Pregnancy Kills, Abortion Saves Lives. Moving on, Beto O'Rourke is still trying desperately to reboot his campaign with the help of a CNN town hall last night. Scientists, those who are studying the same things that you are studying, tell us that we have 10 years within which to act to free this country from a dependence on fossil fuels and fully embrace renewable energy. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is planning to sign a bill barring religious discrimination in that state's educational system, specifically honing in on anti-Semitism. The disgraced former pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago, James McDonald, is under investigation by Illinois law enforcement over allegations he sought on numerous occasions to hire a hitman to take out various people. Rich white men rule America. How much longer will we tolerate that for? In completely unrelated news, and according to Open Secrets, progressive mega-donor Tom Steyer has given over $238.5 million to left-wing political causes in his lifetime, including $40 million in the last few years to impeach Donald Trump. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez explains why cauliflower is racist. So that's really how you do it right. That is such a core component of the Green New Deal is having all of these projects make sense in a cultural context. And it's an area that I and we get the most pushback on um, because people say, like, why do you need to do that? That's too hard. But when you really think about it, when someone says that it's too hard to do a green space that grows yucca instead of, I don't know, cauliflower or something, um, it, you're, what you're doing is that you're taking a colonial approach to environmentalism. And finally, shoe condoms are the new fashion must-have. And that's what happened while we were away. I'm going to rename the montage to Why There's a Hell. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're, in fact... I was actually going to make that point here uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, Aaron's montage, though, serendipitously, brought to you by our friends at WaxRx. I have a simple question for you. Do you have itchy ears? Huh? Yeah. Uh, I mean, in a different, totally different context, though, uh, in this case. All right. Uh, Ear pain, that plugged up feeling. Are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves? Have you answered yes? To any of those questions, then another one of those pesky little doctor visits and the wait and the hassle. And that's why it's hurting because you keep putting it off because, you know, that's two hours of your day. 
You can't do it on a work day. Then you don't want to do it on a work uh, on a work off day because you don't want to waste two hours taking care of it. What if I told you you can just do this all now in the comfort and convenience of your own home and without a prescription? You can with our friends at WaxRx. Uh, they use a physician-developed formula that safely uh, technology that safely and effectively removes earwax earwax buildup and then soothes the ear. With a pH condition formula, just like they do there at the doctor's office. You can try it risk-free today, and here's how. Uh, go to the website, usewaxrx, that's all one word, usewaxrx.com. Offer code radio when you when you go there at checkout, and they'll throw in the, th- the free shipping as well. So no prescriptions, no waits, risk-free, free shipping. I mean, what are you waiting for? They've made this about as easy as they possibly could. All right. Use waxrx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. All right, let's get to Aaron's montage. And the James McDonald story, I, I don't even know what to say about that. I I, I <laughs> You didn't see that murder for hire. No, murder for hire. These allegations. See that coming? This is not just some frivolous allegation. No, the Chicago Police Department are investigating investigating it, and some part of the allegations come from his former bodyguard, who would know, because you know he alleges he was the one who was asked. I, I, I. You talk. Uh, uh, well, no, no, let me uh, ask for context because I'm fascinated as a Catholic. I'm familiar with the name, but how familiar is like is his broad appeal? Help me understand the context. I of mean, this. he has become very popular the last few years for sure. Um, you know, after what happened with Mark Driscoll and the plagiarism allegations, John Piper's basically retired now. Um, you know, he, would, do you think that's fair? He's kind of, he really stepped into that space the last few years in particular, James McDonald. Do you think that's fair? Aaron? Yep. yep. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't really, I never really listened to his podcast, uh, or his messages. Several people I respect liked him a lot. And, you know, there was a lot of orthodoxy from what I can understand, right? This is not a, you know, a, um, this is not a Joel Osteen-esque character, you know? So, the the idea that a guy who had really no past no elder board accountability could become a mini dictator didn't that that's not shocking at all. I mean, we're all dudes. We know how dudes can roll when there's no accountability, right? We totally. I don't think any of us are surprised at that aspect of it, and that's why I we haven't really talked about this story. It's been going on for about a year now. Uh, his fall from grace, and we haven't really talked about it because it's kind of it's a tale as old as time, you know. Uh, it's it's David from it's David counting his troops and taking a census. I mean, that's, it's not new for for a dude once he thinks he's kind of arrived to just say, you know, I, I'll take it from here. God, thank you. I mean, is that is that is that a story that shocks you at all? Knowing how we operate as men, are you guys nope. shocked to hear no. that okay. another guy goes down with hubris? No, no. Okay. The reason it's coming up today is because uh, it, you know Paul Harvey just dropped the rest of the story on us yesterday. I mean. And, and that's not, by the way, that's not to say we're approving of his behavior. It's, but, but if we sat here and every day a guy in leadership fell, 
because he just turned out to be a total uh, D-bag with no accountability and made himself a fiat dictator. <sighs> you know, I mean, we, we cover that topic a lot in various forms of human endeavors. That's, you know, folks that are longtime listeners, listeners of the show will remain me, will remember me saying there is, there is nothing more fragile on earth than the male ego. And it has, it has, it has caused more wars. It has leveled more civilizations. It has done more damage than any other manifestation of sin that I'm aware of on, on, you know, in the history of our species. Think that's fair? Sure. So uh, this story is, you know, it's like, And maybe we're desensitized to it, but I kind of feel like I do with a certain level of political corruption. You know, it's got to be Alcee Hastings pulling money out of a out of a broken refrigerator, you know, in broad daylight. At this point, we're so desensitized that just watching driving down K Street and watching lobbyists, you know, buy filet mignon for congressmen doesn't. I'm sorry, just doesn't move the needle for me anymore. Maybe that says more about me. I'm just too callous to it, but. Um, you know, guys losing their bowels with their egos is nothing new. Murder for hire, though. That's something new. <laughs> I'm just... Setting the bar high there. Yeah, I, I, you know, when Luther said, if you're going to sin, sin boldly, I'm not exactly sure that this is what he had in mind. <laughs> All right? Turning your ministry into the Sopranos? No, no, I don't think that's what Martin had in mind, you know, but uh, here we are nonetheless. Um, Beto O'Rourke continues to try and resurrect his campaign. And, and somehow he thinks that he wasn't demonstrative and, um, uh, uh, and cataclysmic enough. And, and so now he feels like... <laughs> And so now it kind of feels like he needs to, uh, you know, just really pour on the angst. You know, um, I don't, you know, for some reason he thought the angst didn't sell. And so now he kind of feels like he's got to really pour the angst on. And maybe, you know, if he puts spicy brown mustard on the hot dog this time, uh, you know, you'll kind of buy in. Think it'll work? No. He's... He's exactly who I thought he was, man. Yeah, I don't think it'll work either. And I, I think, I'll, I'll go back to what I said about him originally, that if he doesn't take off, I could see the other Democratic candidates just kind of leaving him off on his own in the hopes that uh, he might be an attractive running mate to run for president of Texas, essentially, as a in, uh, in the fall of 2020. But he's got to raise his stock a little bit more right now. I mean, his political stock has plummeted. So I don't, I don't know that, he is, I think what you're seeing with, with Beto O'Rourke is he hasn't, he hasn't worn well. He was excellent as the new hotness. Nobody took him seriously, you know, last year going up against Ted Cruz. Um, nobody knew who he was. And so there was, a, there was a chance to kind of project, you know, him and, and turn him into something uh, that you kind of wanted him to be. But now that he's out on his own, he ha- now that he has to make the sale on his own, and he can't just say, hey, you know, I'm the guy that doing a really car- bad karaoke version of Bobby Kennedy to take on that, you know, arch right-winging uh, hate monger you don't like in the Senate race. But now he's got to make a standalone case for his candidacy. Um, there's just no there there. And, and if you don't, if... 
if you don't have, as a dude, if you don't have enough gravitas, and you can't even say, well, he's a white male, so that's working against him in the Democratic Party, because you're seeing the same thing with Cory Booker right now. You know, and so if, if Democrats are looking at, looking at you and you're like, dude, I just, you know, I don't really like the uh, androgynous vibe we're getting here, then I, I don't know how you play on a on a national scale. And if I were advising Beto O'Rourke, and yes, I'm going to admit up front, Todd, this is my need to fix things. Okay, I'm admitting that in this case. This is not an analysis. This is just, I just feel a compulsion to try to fix stuff. Okay, if I were advising Beto O'Rourke, I would tell him, um, you are you have descended into self parody here. You're doing damage now to your political brand. Like we, had, you and I had the ongoing conversation about Pete Buttigieg, you know, yesterday, right. and and you know, I was kind of looking at him strictly as a contender for the nomination, and I don't believe he has won. You were looking at this more broadly about him as a political brand, you know, going 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 uh, going forward. And and once we had that conversation, I agreed with you. I definitely think he's established himself as a potential future political brand with the way that he's handled his business. I think Beto O'Rourke has greatly is doing damage to his yes. political brand. And, and he is making himself a far less attractive figure. And, um, you know, I, I, I the re the reboot, which is just to go back to the exact same orchestrated caricature that I was before that people didn't like, I, I don't, I don't, that that's not a reboot to me. You know, I mean, are there, there's nothing different. It's all the same talking points. It's all the same hand motions and histrionics. Did you see anything different there at all, other than what Democratic primary voters so far have already said? Meh. No, when you just yell even louder that the world is going to end, uh, you better be darn sure. I mean, even the people always yelling the world's going to end usually uh, don't believe it half the time. It, it, he, 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 He's never, ever going to inspire uh, aspirationally. And right now, for all the... the scare- and he did last year for some people. There's no question that he did last year. But with, as you said, with the foil of hating Ted Cruz, right. then then you, with that much hatred stirring in your heart, you are more prone to fall for a false... Sure. A, 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 a faux aspiration of, of some kind. And now, and yes, they certainly do hate uh, Donald Trump, but here, here, when you are constantly uh, putting yourself forward for the, it, I mean, I don't have to tell you, running for president is so much different than running for the Senate mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have got to simply ooze the gravitas of belief, the, the the worldview, everything. It cannot simply be about the hate. And it's clear that he's not capable of holding that on. We, we talked yesterday that the first thing any successful candidacy has to do is establish a base. Has to establish a base. And a ba- what I mean by a base, meaning a solid, a solid cachet of support that signs on to you as an initial figure uh, either of inspiration or a proxy for a particular issue or set of issues that you uniquely speak to, okay? If you cannot do that, you can get all kinds of media acclaim. But when we actually take votes and when people get up from their living rooms and go someplace and vote, you don't get any. That, that You just don't. You know, that's, that's why you can, be a media fa- you can be a media sensation and a media fascination and, um, and, and not have a base, your base is the media. You don't put in the work, all right? And he was supposed to be the capture the imagination candidate. And 
I, I just see him, it's like you're watching him get shorter. Don't, if you know what I'm trying to say, like he gets smaller in the room the more that he talks. I, I don't foresee a scenario of what he could say or do that would break out with 20 people on a stage here at the end of June. Do you? What would he say or do? Well, th- this is the problem with being kind of... Because his whole candidacy is, I lost to Ted Cruz no. by three points. That's his whole candidacy. And when you've been anointed because of that, way beyond expectations, here's it, it, a version of this happened with Scott Walker, mm-hmm. even though they're not purely... But Walker at least had a resume. He did have a he resume. He ran away from but it. But the expectations were put here... And, and, and sure. they could, neither one can live up to those. I mean, it was not within Scott Walker's capacity. I think that's a great point. I think a lot of Democrats around the country kind of looked at Beto O'Rourke and viewed him as a mythological figure because he almost did beat Ted Cruz. And then he gets out there on a stage. You see him in Iowa in Clear Lake or something at a restaurant. And you're like, how did you almost beat yeah. Ted Cruz? Right. <laughs> I think this says more about efforts of Democrats to try to turn Texas blue than you, oh, totally. you as a, as, as a brand. Right. So at least, at least with Pete Buttigieg, his sexual identity gives him a chance to establish a base right away. If he proves to be a credible candidate. Yeah. Okay. And that party it does. Although I would argue probably nowadays in the Republican party, the same thing would work actually. Um, but with Beta O'Rourke, I don't, I don't know now, you know, he raised the money. He got all the, we had the media gasm. And he didn't capture the people's imagination. So I, I don't know with all of that rocket fuel to boost him to start with. And he couldn't capitalize on that. I don't, I don't know what the rationale for his candidacy is. Now he's just a boring white guy. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where he goes from here. And if I were advising him and given his age and if you want to be like, I think, I think, what do I, let me quantify what I mean by I think he's done his brand damage. I think if we ran the exact same Senate race in 2019, I think Cruz would win by eight, nine, 10 points. Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, that, that, that soft Republican suburban female voter that our Ali Stuckey has been trying to reach and target, particularly with her podcast, that loved them some beta or work. I think with what the further, the more exposure we've seen as a standalone, I don't think he captures nearly as much of their imagination as he did a year ago. You agree with that or disagree? Oh, I, I totally agree with that. You're dead on. Yeah, I, I think in the end, he was just a vehicle and he's not the driver. I think we're kind of learning that. Um, and, you know, we've kind of, we haven't done it as much as probably we, I thought we would, but, you know, Beto, he's a beta, you know, yeah. I think you, he, I think you can kind of just sense that he's he, a beta. He's Millie Vanilli. He was, another he, good was analogy. Lip, he was lip syncing the whole time, man. <laughs> That's another good analogy. All right, let's, let's close out Aaron's montage with what he started with. And, and, you know, I, Tim Ryan, I thought he was the uh, moderate Democrat that wanted to challenge Nancy Pelosi and lectured the, uh, the party about moving too far left. Another guy who was bought into, if you don't want to, if you don't, if you don't listen to my initial pitch and if I start, if I start swearing loudly, when I give it again, you'll suddenly tune in. Did right. You, did you hear what he said there though? He said, when are lawmakers going to give a bleep about babies after they're born? Mm-hmm. They were babies before they were born. Is that is that what you're saying, yes. Representative yes. Ryan? Yes, that's a great point, Aaron. I'm glad you caught that because I missed it. You're right about that. And but because I was zeroed in on the rest of the behavior there, that's cultic. That all of that, the screaming, the shouting, the 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 old woman who cannot abide 
someone with another another opinion whatsoever, the lack of any logic whatsoever. First of all, there's the word abortion is not in the Constitution. The word separation of church and state aren't in the Constitution. Um, the con- our founding fathers would I, I don't know. I have no idea, you know, what they would think on some of the issues that we are debating right now. But I'm pretty confident um, they would say we shouldn't be funding about 98% of the things that we are funding. I mean, yeah, mom always said Constitution is a Constitution does. Yeah, I, I, the, there are <laughs> none of those things. And, and I say this, we're the show that warns you constantly about not turning your opponents into straw men. Okay. But but we also need to not don't overestimate their strength either. You're seeing there when they rally together on their own, and they feel like they're in a safe space, and they're interviewed by the friendliest of media. There's nothing there. There is no reasoning there. Nothing. It's been fascinating the last couple of days on Twitter. I've been watching uh, Mike. Uh, don't you know my semen tastes like fruity pebbles, Cernovich? Uh, who nobody knew who this guy was um, except for some crazy dude that tweeted stuff like this uh, and until he glommed on to Trump a few years ago and he kind of became one of these, uh, uh, you know, click servative, uh, you know, instant hits. And, and I've been watching people in my Twitter feed sharing tweets from him over the last week where he is rethinking his position on the life issue. And it has absolutely nothing to do really with the arguments we have made. It's all about watching what he is describing as sociopathic behavior. That, that the slightest pushback, any disagreement, you dare have an alternative opinion whatsoever. The, be- the venom, the bile that, that spews forth. See, this is why, this is why I, this is the number one reason why I have tactically argued for principled legislation on the life issue my entire career. Because it was the only way we were going to provoke them outside of their talking points. They won the talking point war. So if the women fight the tith, they won all those wars. They won them all. So you're going to have to win the truth war. You're not going to win the talking point war. So my advice is don't have the talking point war. Like the minute you walk into, well, I'm pro-life with exception, you already lost. You've already lost. Even if that's your position, don't even articulate it. And the reason why is, if you're any kind of pro-life at all, and that's your position, you've lost your entire argument. Because you're actually assenting to their premise, some life isn't worthy of dignifying with respect. Because their position is, any life we don't want is worthy of dignifying, not, or is worthy of not dignifying with respect and honor. That's their position. And so the reason you do these principled issues is you have to, you've got to grab the American people most of whom consider themselves softly pro-choice in some way, shape, or form. But they're not pro-death. They're not pro-abortion. They're not in a death cult. That's a death cult, what you saw right there. Aaron's right what he said. Don't ever, ever, don't ever come at me with, how does a loving God permit a hell? Just roll that video. These are people around the country rallying to dismember children, limb from limb. Suck their remains into a tube. And then, you know, reassemble their parts and then cast them aside to either be sold or uh, incinerated. That's barbarism. And you want to know why a loving God permits a hell? You've asked the wrong question. Why does a, why, (laughs) 
how patient can this loving God actually be? That's the real question. That's the real question, brother. So this should be another reminder. Stay on offense. They don't have any arguments. They have none. There is, there are, I've had all these debates, I promise you. What you're seeing is all I ever heard when I tried to have these debates. It is a death cult. And they just want to be able to kill these kids. That's it. They just want to be able to kill the kids. That's all. There are no arguments. There is no reason. Cults are the void, the absence of reason. No reason here. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing. Nothing. It's a house of cards. And most of Satan's schemes really are when you look at him in the end. Hey, do you struggle to get started each day, have burst of productivity only to crash again in the mid-afternoon and then limp across that five o'clock finish line? Well, what if I told you that you could avoid drinking multiple cups of coffee, cans of soda, or energy drinks to survive the day? Looking to solve this problem, the team of top physicians gathered to form Brickhouse Nutrition and have developed the most advanced formula to stimulate more than just your heart, but also your brain and your cells. And it's called From Dawn to Dusk. Clean energy, focus, and improved mood for up to 10 hours with no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, and no sugar if you want to try it today. Go to BrickhouseSteve.com. Use my name, Steve, as a promo code. Get 15% off of your first order at BrickhouseSteve.com. Look it up. From Dawn to Dusk, BrickhouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve for 15% off your first order. More in a moment. Are you one of millions of Americans right now that has just decided you got to live with the chronic pain? There, there could be an answer for you. Many of us here at The Blaze have had successful stories and testimonies uh, using a product called Relief Factor. And, and now I'm, I'm the latest to add, uh, to add my name to the list. I mean, this, this has done some outstanding uh, work for me because what Relief Factor does is it targets the inflammation in the body that causes chronic pain, all right? Inflammation isn't the same as an injury. All right, if you have an injury, you know, make sure you get a treatment. Uh, but inflammation, uh, that can be behaviorally induced. It could be other things that uh, have become inflamed because of, a, of another uh, injury somewhere else in the body. Uh, and relief factor goes after that inflammation. That's the cause of your chronic pain. It's 100% drug-free, even though it was uh, created by physicians who can subscribe drugs, but they're looking for long-term natural solutions to inflammation in the body. And that's why they have four key ingredients that help your body win the battle against inflammation. And now you can try relief factor for just three weeks for only 20 bucks, about a dollar a day. What have you got to lose? Except maybe, hopefully, finally, the pain. $19.95, that's the starter pack at relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Daniel Horowitz joins us now, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation to take us inside politics. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Great to be back with you, Steve. We're doing all right, thank God. So I, I brought this up on our show yesterday. As, as the whole thing that began with Justin Amash and, um, you know, uh, I think the president's committed impeachable offenses, but then doesn't actually give you citations of what those really are. Uh, and, and it's been, what, three days, and we still don't have any of those things. And I know, I mean, you have followed his work closely in Congress. His overall liberty score is good. 
He has at times, though, deserted us on particularly key cultural issues amongst that 10% where he's, you know, that's, he, I think he's at 90 right now on our Liberty card. But he's always been really thoughtful in putting out the reasons why he made those decisions. You may think they're garbage, but at least he's offered you some. Here he did not. Right. And then yesterday, this continues again with now Democrats are like, maybe we should do the impeachment thing. And uh, the president doesn't want his attorney, Don McGahn, to testify before Jerry Nadler's committee. So they've defied a subpoena. So in response to all this yesterday, I posited a hypothesis. I want you to tell me if you think it's correct. That, that I really think both sides want to have an impeachment because there's nothing else to do. I mean, the Democrats cannot govern because they're to the left of the country on everything. And every time they attempt to govern, all it does is remind the country that that's true. Okay. The Republicans won't govern. Um, you know, Trump has shown either no unction or little ability, depending on your translation, to uh, use the bully pulpit of the White House to move his party in alignment with the stuff that he that he he ran on. And so when he can do those things unilaterally, to his credit, he has done them, like moving the embassy, protecting religious liberty, things of that nature. But any attempt at all, he has made none, no, 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 no attempts that I know of so far in his entire presidency to really put his thumb on the scale with the Republican Party and say, hey, this is what I promised my base and make it happen. And so with those two realities, there's really nothing to do for the rest of this year other than, you know, meme their uh, respective bases and bombard them with partisan rhetoric on the impeachment angle. So why not? What else are we going to do for the rest of 2019? Your thoughts. And then, Steve, I would add to that that there is must-pass legislation like the supplemental disaster aid bills and the debt ceiling and the budget bills that they're well on their way to caving on despite the fact that Trump held the line and said he opposes it, but he won't threaten a veto so I just want to make it clear. It's not just that, you know, he doesn't have the ability to affirmatively force the Senate Republicans and McConnell to take up the right things. He won't legis he won't threaten to veto even the things he opposes that they are passing. So you're right. That, that's over with. Um, I, I would say I think it's more on the conservative side or conservative side. They badly want impeachment because, you know, you could have an Angela Merkel style mm -hmm. invasion at our border, but it, it doesn't matter. Right. Because. I got my hot take. I got my meme. I got my stuff. It just doesn't matter. Um, I think they're they're all in. Democrats, I do think the smarter leaders are still very leery of it. I think they rightfully do see that it is impeachment, as we learned from Clinton, has become very perilous. I, I believe we're never going to have real impeachment for the rest of our republic because it's just the way the media cycle is, everything's exposed. Everything's on the open. So if it's really bad, public opinion's going to force the guy out, like with Nixon. If it's if it's not, then they're not going to embark on it. If it's all you know openly just political, it's just not going to get off the ground. So I'm not convinced we're headed there. Not because Republicans don't want it, and certainly their base want the Democrat base wants it. I I wonder if Democrat leaders are on board. I don't know that we'll ever get there. I mean, but, you know, um, what else are we going to do? What else are we going to fake fight about? What else are we going to debate? What else are we going to saber rattle about? Um, you know, at least at the, at the very least, there's not a Democratic presidential debate until the end of June. So that, that's a full month from now. At the very least, what are they going to do? Because I think the vast majority of what goes on in Washington, D.C., 
is predicated on two realities. What do our the respective donor classes in both parties want? Particularly, this is true in the Republican side. And then secondly, providing content for their proxies in, 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 on various cable news networks. That's all they're doing. Am I wrong? And, and, in, and in order to do that, you need a virtue signaling angle. Yeah. So you'll have random policies come about like jailbreak, sure. criminal justice reform, you know, things like that. Raise the smoking age because, you know, you know, that debate's only from 1995. Yes. Yeah. Ran- random stuff like that will come about. But you're pretty much right. For example, this week, the Senate and House Armed Services Committees are taking up the annual NDAA, the Defense Authorization Bill. And you would think, look, you know, just technically putting politics aside, there should be a lot of common ground like what the heck are we doing in Iraq? What are we doing in Afghanistan? Let's audit that. Yep. But instead, it all becomes about spending, even though it's an authorization. The whole point is to have a vision of what are our strategic interests and threats, what do we need, and then we have an appropriation bill. That's what the NDAA is, and we they, they just don't do anything. There is nothing done. It's all done in um, the executive branch and the courts, which is why the courts will eventually take over war powers. There's no doubt in my mind. And, and that's pretty much it. Everything's a sideshow. And, and then even when it comes to elections, I wanted to get to the Justin Amash thing because I think there's a lot of important points here. Even when it comes to elections, it's all about providing fodder for the cable talk shows. It's not about anything worthwhile. So, for example, I think both sides, those zealously opposing Amash and those defending him as somehow a true conservative hero, are both wrong. Because right. um, it's, it's, it's basically all the same people that are either orange man bad or Cheeto Jesus saves. It's the it's the yeah, this has become yeah. a proxy fight for that three year debate. Perfect, yeah, it's the perfect proxy fight. Yeah. I'll tell you why. So the never Trumpers are all like they're all in. They're obsessed. Oh, man, this is the most intellectually honest guy around. And and look, I, I don't remember Amash having problems with. Obama unilaterally granting citizenship documents and rights to to illegal aliens. I don't remember that. I I know he's open borders, but you would think if you're a stickler for the Constitution, that much you should agree with. I I stand corrected if I'm wrong. I don't remember him yelping about it. Um, and that's an action. It's a lot more than you know what you might have lied about in the process of a bogus investigation that that didn't net any um, you know illegal uh, activity. But the, the, the that's the point. Open borders, weak on crime. Hey, baby, nothing says libertarian like um, uh, funding sex change operations in the military, which he voted he for. He voted for that. Yeah, that's he true. He voted for that. Yeah. Let, let's face it. I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. I, I think you could Google this, and I think anyone who knows him, I don't really think he loses sleep over abortion. I, I mean he officially has to say he's somewhat pro-life because that, that would be a bridge too far. I don't think he is. Um, he's very pro-Palestinian. There's a lot of problems with it. Now, so so that's their side. But now let me move to the other side. Why the hell is it that Tom Tillis, now as the Republican Party preemptively carpet bombing his primary opponent, um, he, he's got Mike Pence fundraising for him. Tom Tillis has all of those vices yep. of Justin Amash. He opposed Trump's emergency declaration. And he's not good on it, the stuff that Amash is it, actually good on. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. the funny thing is, man, everyone's into primary challenges. All right, I'm all game. Look, 
Justin Amash is he has a lot of very nice redeeming qualities to him, both a certain demeanor, certain transparency, mm-hmm. as well as you know spending fiscal Agreed. issues. I've, I've called him my favorite congressman in the past. He represents right. the the district where I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, so I know that area well. Yep. I've always thought it's a weird marriage. I mean, that's a that's the Van Andels, that's you know the DeVosses, that's a huge Christian conservative area. When I was a kid growing up in Kenan, Ottawa County, Michigan, they had the highest concentration per capita of church attendance in two, of two counties anywhere wow. in America. So to have such a guy who's, I mean, he's really the true heir to Ron Paul. He is really the one true 100% unfiltered, you know, pure libertarian in Congress. So it's a weird marriage with such a a Christian conservative district, but he has served it well because of the transparency and his willingness to engage opposing viewpoints and, and, and serve the interest of his constituencies. And that's, those are, those are practices of public servants that are largely lost arts in our country and our form of government today and should be commended. Exactly. There are, you cannot deny if you're any bit of a conservative redeeming qualities to him. So I'm like, look, you know, from my end, yeah, he's not my cup of tea, but for you guys that failed to get involved in any primary of the worst rhinos that there's not a shred of conservatism, there's not a shred of libertarianism, there's not, and they're also anti-Trump when it boils down to it. Mm -hmm. Somehow I don't, I mean, you know, Mitt it's Romney Devin Nunez. Has, Devin Nunez. What's his latest Liberty score on our site? Twenty six, twenty seven percent. Something like that. Something like that. And if I you mean, ask, if you ask the average person, you ask the average person, who is the real conservative, Devin Nunez or Ben Sass, whose Liberty score is higher than Ted Cruz's right now? Yeah. We all know what the answer to that question is going to be. And and see, this is why you know I've got. I, this is the thing. I get I get accused of selling out all the time. And the reality is I refuse to let my career be about Donald Trump. Just like I refuse to let it be about Mitt Romney, John McCain, George W. Bush. My career is going to be about what I believe. If if enough people agree with it and it's entertaining enough, it will be successful. And if they don't, it won't. It, and the reality is the, that these two people and these two cults are calling each other um, that they're in a cult and they're right. Without, you know, looking at the fact they're also in one at the exact same time. They're the ones that want everything to be defined by, do you hate Donald Trump as much as I do, or do you adore him as much as I do? And I'm just never going to participate in that. I think elections ought to be about the people, okay, not the candidates. And I'm interested in who who acts the most willingly and positively in my interests, that's what self-government, that's what a representative republic is. Who is acting in my interests? I prefer their motivations be the same as mine, but really, if I've got to motivate them by fear of getting voted out of office, I'll take that too, because we live east of Eden, after all. And the problem, Steve, is that authentic, independent-minded, traditional conservatives like us get shafted because we get the lowest common denominator of everything. Look, if we're going to all be going pedal to the metal against every guy that, that, you know, says something against Trump or opposes Trump, Hey, at least we'll benefit. I mean, let's, let, let's do it. Right. I, I got a whole long list, but I can't get anyone on board. It's only what, you know, what you see on the news. So that's how you get left with really. So Justin Amash and Mark Sanford, those are the only guys 
I mean, really? I mean, look. I mean, Mark I Sanford. Them. You want to? You don't want to vote for Mark Sanford because he used his office as a, to be an adulterer and does travel the world with his mistress. Yep. I'm totally fine if you never wanted to vote for him for those reasons. But but that's but he wasn't voted out. He he actually yeah. once he got voted into Congress, his record was really good. He was replaced with a total rhino just simply because he said bad things about Donald Trump. And so that that's a, a pure but, red but, district has a crap member of Congress. Well, well, let me just clarify. He was replaced in the in the primary. In the primary, and that, yeah. And that rhino lost. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. that yeah. Now. yeah. So it's even worse. But but I mean that that's the thing. Look, you know, you tell me. Look, um, Justin Amash's brand of what I call progressive liberalism, because that's what I believe it is. It's not like Lou Rockwell libertarianism, who believes you know sovereignty is a national private property. Um, I I don't. He's not my cup of tea. And if you say, hey, I want a guy who's going to be strong on the border, or whatever, I'm, I'm fine with that. You, you and I both know, hey, uh, I have a list of 10 senators up in red, red right. areas that are rhinos, and I really don't see any impetus to go after them. Primary, who would you vote for, Tom Tillis or Justin Amash? I mean, that's what I'm telling you. Yeah, I, I would T- vote for Tillis, Justin Amash ten, nine times out of 10, maybe 14 Tillis times out of 10. has all the but, problems. Anything yeah. you don't like, the, oh, I, I'll tell you, there's, there's one difference. Amash is man enough to at least yeah. stand by his anti-Trumpism, whereas what Tillis did is every day of the week on that Judiciary Committee, he's pushing the open borders. He said he opposes the um, uh, emergency declaration, but then the last minute he voted with Trump when he found that he was getting a primary challenger. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is the danger of making everything about the candidate. And I think what people that don't understand where guys like you and I are coming from it's never, it's always been this way. This is nothing new. There is this notion out there that the, that Team GOP was a principled, united front. I mean, Mitt Romney lied to people all the time. All the time. Lied a lot. He lied to get the nomination. And But, but there's this idea that until Trump came along, these sorts of, you know, fallacies and impossibilities just never existed in on the right. And and that's just that's just simply not true. And and I think that's where, you know, that's where these people who view themselves as, well, I'm I'm a principled orange man bad. I'm an actual conservative. Okay. I'm not Anna Navarro. I'm not Bill Crystal. I'm an actual principled orange man bad. You then well then then you're naive. Because you're operating under the premise that this exact scam that you're watching play out now hasn't been going on since Rick Santorum came out and said, yeah, I voted for uh, Arlen Specter because I was going to get, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I was going to get John Roberts. And I voted for Obamacare because they promised me health savings accounts. There's not, this isn't new, Daniel. This is not, all this that we're arguing about has been going on for decades just with people that were more loyal to their wives than Donald Trump has been. That's the only thing that's yes. different. No, that, that's exactly the point. And I'd say the only other difference is that I believe Trump is open to the non-politician way of doing things if we would back him and give him a movement and pressure him. Mm-hmm. But we don't have one. So, yeah, I mean, he'll just do what everyone else does. They all, you know, Bush endorsed Arlen Specter. So Trump's going to endorse Tillis against a well-funded you know, challenger where, where there's opportunity there. But I think if you had a movement getting in his face saying, hey, you know, throw Tillis aside, I think he would. Um, but, you know, but but again, 
he won't lead until we have a movement leading him, and the movement won't lead until he leads. So there we are without a leader. Well said, my friend. We'll do this again soon. Thanks for joining us here. Talk to you next week. Take care. Daniel's appearance this week uh, brought to you by our friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust, a company Glenn Beck and his associates started a few years ago, tired of real estate agents who talked a good game, but then didn't deliver the results when called upon the most. And if you are looking for the right real estate agent that you can trust, you're looking for three qualities. A, someone that has a proven track record of being successful, uh, navigating a complicated real estate market and process. B, someone who also understands that algorithms and, da and data matter, but you got to also look for outliers and don't spare the details as well, all right? And then C, uh, people that are, are likable, courteous, friendly. This is a very relational process. You're gonna work closely with your agent uh, and it's stressful to boot. The, the odds it will be successful and less stressful than it even has to be are go higher the more personable, likable, your age, trustworthy your agent is. So if you are looking for an agent that checks all three of those boxes that's already been vetted, you're looking for realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the website. Just go there, realestateagentsitrust.com. You guys have a quick thought, conversation we just had with Daniel? Wonderful people doing wonderful things to other <laughs> wonderful people wonderfully. We talked a while back about which would last longer, the Republicans or the Democrats. Right. It's the Republicans because of this. They, they are the undead. It, 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 it speaks to your point. Nothing's new here. Trump is not new. Yeah. And we are distracted by that right now. We'll come back. Lila Rose from Live Action is going to join us about all of the breaking pro-life news as of late. Is there a larger meaning here or are these just random coincidence? coincidences I said in English? We'll talk about that next. with hour two live and on demand here on the blaze tv radio and podcast if you are listening to us today via the blaze podcast if you wouldn't mind leaving us one of those five star reviews we would really appreciate that thousands of you have done this for us already we're grateful for each and every one of those 888-900-3393 is the number here to the blaze 888-900-3393 you can also let us know what you think about what we think steve at stevedace.com is the email address like us on facebook follow us on twitter at steve dace show coming up at the bottom of the hour i misspoke earlier i actually forgot what day of the week it was uh we've got vacation coming up man and so i'm kind of i'm I got some senioritis where I'm kind of trying to get the calendar to move. It's it's only Wednesday. <laughs> so buy, sell, or hold. Our Wednesday tradition is coming your way at the bottom of the hour. All right. Uh, also, uh, a reminder that one of our favorite causes around here is Back to Jerusalem. And the heart of their ministry is to take uh, the word of God to uh, what are called closed countries. These are countries that are attempting to close people off uh, to the faith and hope and inspiration found in God's word. Why? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, people that have been hope-filled and inspired by the Word of God historically have a, far less of a tolerance for being oppressed, okay? Uh, it's the same thing you're seeing in our country. The more secular we become, then the bigger and more powerful government becomes as well. So if you want to help them fulfill their role uh, in the Great Commission, they need your help. They've taken uh, the Word of God, put it in an electronic form that's 
about the size of a pill that makes it easy to sneak past the jackbooted thugs and these oppressive regimes so that people who are being persecuted can then download it from there. It costs about $15 from conception to delivery into the hands of a persecuted individual in places like China, Somalia, North Korea, Iran. That's the cost of you and someone else going to a fast food lunch today. So this might be a better use of that 15 bucks if you agree. BlazeHelp.org is the website, BlazeHelp.org, or you can give them a call at 844-305-0566, 844-305-0566. Lila Rose joins us now from live action, and Lila, it's good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm good, Steve. How are you doing? Could be a little better, but I could be a lot worse, if you know what I mean. Uh, you're, you're almost to your vacation. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm skipping days now. Yes. Um, we have been talking on our show. You know, I've been, this has been the number one pressing issue that I have tried to, you know, activate my audience on over the course of my career is the life issue. Uh, both my own personal testimony with the issue, my own theological convictions with the, with the issue, uh, my own moral convictions uh, with the issue and what it means for just a society, regardless of its theology, that gives itself over to essentially state-sanctioned ritualistic sac- child sacrifice, as we have. But I cannot recall, you know, I, I've had to at times contrive moments in my show to have an excuse to bring it up again when it wasn't in the news or create a, a moment that made it, that, that I could tie it back into the life issue I cannot recall organically a time in my 10 plus years doing this where the news cycles themselves have just produced as much news on this issue as we have seen in the last couple of months. What's your take on that? I mean, it shows the incredible energy in the pro-life movement with the laws that are being passed. I think that the reaction of the abortion lobby and the abortion advocates is a strong one and it's a fierce, fierce thing in the news cycle because the pro-life movement has been stealthfully growing over the last really 45 years, but especially the last 10 years, I think culture is shifting on this. And then you have these red states, these very, these super majorities, pro-life majorities in some of these states like Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi and Ohio, and they're passing these strong pro-life laws, stronger than we've almost ever seen before. And so the reaction of abortion advocates is one of terror, anger, even hatred. And you also have an election year. So you have one of the most pro-life presidents that we've ever had in the Trump administration, President Trump, in the actual actions he's taking for the pro-life cause and the hatred towards Trump, the anger of the the Democratic Party that's promoting abortion. It's really this whirlwind. And that's why I think this has become one of the hottest and most prevalent issues being discussed. And you know what I say to that, Steve? I say, good. This is this needs to happen. This is a conversation our nation needs to have. The the stronger bills that you talked about that are we're seeing in legislatures, for example, you know, I, I have at, at times in my work in my pro life activism, I've, I've got myself into trouble because I have I have tried to make the argument to many many pro life leaders that. We are. We have lost the talking point war. We're not going to overcome the talking point of it's the woman's right to two, it's reproductive freedom. Those are easy, malleable talking points. We can't. We have to overcome it with the truth. And so we need legislation that provokes 
the truth of what's behind this, that those talking points are all fig leaves. They're all fallacies. None of this is true, which we're really dealing with here. This is Molech. This is Apocalypto. This is, this is the same death cult that every human culture has wrestled with that practices a form of ritualistic, you know, human sacrifice, anthropological fact from time in memoriam. You know, since we were kicked out of Eden, we have not had a culture that did not do a form of this. And the only way we're going to get them outside of their talking points when they control the media, pop culture, and everything else is we have to provoke them legislatively to get out in public and admit to the American people we are just a fanatical death cult that just wants to kill these kids and we don't have a, any real good arguments we have none that's why we just go back to our talking points and I haven't always expressed that in the nicest way I admit okay but I think we're seeing the principled legislation is having that exact effect and you're getting governors of states now to say, well, yeah, the baby can be born and we'll just kill it afterwards because we don't want it. These are the things we've never forced them to say 10, 15 years ago, Lila. I mean, for two things. First of all, I completely agree with what you're saying about the potential, the capacity that we have as human beings to commit evil, to do horrific things against people that are innocent and weaker than we are. This is a human problem. This is a historical problem. I mean, it's in our own nation's history, slavery and segregation and discrimination. So, And then in the last century, some of the most horrific genocides and the Holocaust, I mean, we've seen horrific carnage because we de- it's all dehumanization of another. It's saying the, the slave the black person is less than Mm -hmm. it's saying the jew is less than it's saying that the, the the other is less than so with the child now in the womb we are saying he or she is less than and that's what we've said for the last 45 years since seven men on the supreme court supreme court justices decided that abortion would be the law of the land but i think you're right that it is legislation that's needed to combat the lies, this this rhetoric about my body, my choice, about, you know, life, we don't know when life begins, so let's just kill life when we want to, or potential life in the womb, all these really unscientific, illogical arguments that abortion advocates use. But what has been happening before these last six months, so the last six months, you've seen a lot of pro-life legislation in all these states, the heartbeat bills, Alabama's law. But before that, the internet and social media has done a tremendous boon to the pro-life movement. It's been Mm -hmm. a tremendous gift to the pro-life movement. And what Live Action's been working on over the last 10 years is building an online army. So we have over 3 million people at Live Action who are following us online, who are sharing pro-life messages. We just released a video last week called a reply, a pro-life reply to the my body, my choice argument. And it's narrated by the wife of an NFL star who's pregnant with twins. So she's sharing how I have twins in my in, inside me. That doesn't mean that th- I now have six arms and six legs. I am still my body and there are two bodies within me. The video has already been, 30,000 people have already chosen to put it on their Facebook walls and it's been viewed over 4 million times in just a few days. Mm. So there's a lot of energy around seeing the truth and people sharing the truth and people combating the lies and the misinformation from the abortion lobby. People are waking up, especially young people. And that's why these legislators are so emboldened to put in place these extremely strong pro-life laws. Lila Lila Rose from Live Action is here with us uh, on Blaze TV radio and podcast. In fact, I just shared uh, a video you guys tweeted out about when life begins. And what I liked about it is, not that we compared notes, you guys actually used an argument I have used many times. We, all, we always know when life begins because everything begins at the beginning. 
the earliest <laughs> stage of life is when an egg is fertilized by a by a sperm. That's called conception. That's the beginning. It can't begin any earlier than that. Everything begins at the beginning. What I want our audience to see when folks like you put these sorts of efforts out there is I think it's important for them um, to understand that there are no arguments on the other side. And, you know, you've... you. you I have debated this issue all over the country with a lot of these people. You've done it even more than me. Tell me, tell the audience if I'm wrong. When you boil, because when you can, when you get the chance to confront them head on, what you find, I found this doing MSNBC panels for years. I mean, the, the only argument really is I will concoct any talking point or, point or narrative that gives me the power to kill a life I don't want. There isn't any reason or logic there. Am I wrong? You're, you're absolutely right, Steve. Actually, when I speak on college campuses, so I'll be at Stanford tomorrow giving a talk. They're trying to block my talk, but I'm going to be going there. I was at UCLA. I'm at Berkeley. When I go and give these talks, I give a very simple argument. I say, we can all agree that it's always wrong to intentionally and directly kill an innocent human being. It's always wrong to intentionally and directly kill another innocent human being. Abortion intentionally and directly kills an innocent human being. And therefore, abortion is always wrong. So all I have to prove is that abortion kills an innocent human being. Mm -hmm. And that's a matter of science and facts. That's simply showing about the, the story of life in the womb. And then it's simply revealing what an abortion procedure actually does. People don't realize what these violent, horrific, barbaric procedures actually do. And in my years, my 15 years now of pro-life education, I'm 30, started as a teenager, I have never heard a good response to that argument. There has, there's no rebuttal to that argument. The best that they can do on the abortion side is to say, it's not a human being. It's not a human being, which is illogical. It's unscientific. It is a member of the human species that is unique and individual from day one, just needs time and nourishment to grow. That is a fact. Open any biology textbook. It will tell you the same thing. So we have won the debate. Now we just need to make sure people hear the argument and have a connection to the emotion of this issue from the pro-life side instead of the fear-mongering and the the, 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 the the scaredness around they're trying to control women's bodies and all this false rhetoric. We need to combat those lies and help people understand the basic arguments. And then, and then we win. People do come around and we see people becoming pro-life. You said we've won the debate, Margaret Thatcher. One of her famous axioms of politics is first you win the debate and then you win the vote, you know? And when you look at great uh, turning points in history, you know, Gettysburg is considered the turning point of the Civil War, but it raged on for two more years. Midway was considered the turning point of the of the Allies in the Pacific Theater of World War II. And World War II went on for three more years after that. So just because you've come to a turning point doesn't mean that you are close to victory but that the momentum has shifted in the direction and the environment has been created uh, that would be necessary for you to ultimately achieve victory. So with that backdrop, do you think when it comes to this fight, we have come to the turning of the tide here? Yes, I think we're at the turning of the, the tide, Steve, but I think you're right that there are lots of turn points to happen after this. And that's because, look, when, when, when Abraham Lincoln declared the slaves free, which, you know, was people said that's questionable constitutionally that you even did that. We fought a civil war. Then we had a hundred years after that of segregation and, and, and entrenched mm -hmm. discrimination. So it takes time. I don't think it's going to take that long after we abolish abortion in this country and Roe v. Wade, there's a new precedent in town instead of Roe v. Wade that actually acknowledges personhood of the child and of all people. But there will be a series of turning points after this one. And this turning point right now is a legal one in the sense that it's happening in, in several states, but it's also a cultural awakening to 
really the even the conversation that this is a problem that we can't continue to pretend like a, a million abortions a year legalized is okay that we can just live like this and be at peace as a nation so what i think we're going to see in the next 10 years i think we're going to see new supreme court case a new precedent set that effectively undoes the the precedent of roe and the other cases like dovey bolton and uh, and the other cases that helped to strengthen roe and i think we're going to see more state laws passed like alabama and georgia cementing human rights, but I think we're also going to see cultural shifting among Generation Z particularly. So millennials are split on abortion, but they are a little bit more pro-life than their, you know, Gen X. But I think Gen Z, they're watching this happen right now. Many of them are being told in their school systems, because the public schools are pro-abortion, the celebrities are pro-abortion, the Democratic Party is pro-abortion, the social media tech bosses, Jack at Twitter, uh, Cheryl Sandberg donated a million dollars over at Facebook to Planned Parenthood, they're all pro-abortion. So they're trying to control, they're doing their best to control the minds of kids, but they're still finding pro-life content online. Live Action is marketing it to, it, to them, sending it to them. So I think we're gonna see shifts in Gen Z who, to feel, wow, I grew up in a country without legal protection. I grew up in a country that was that had abortion. I have aborted siblings. I have I'm being told abortion is good for me, but it doesn't look so good when I when I start to learn about it online. And I think we're gonna see profound changes in pro-life sentiment amongst that generation. And that will be eventually game over for for the abortion industry and lobby in this country. Final thing, Lila, I know you had a cameo in the Unplanned movie. And uh, I know the the filmmakers that, that did that film, I know them pretty well. And, you know, I sent them a congratulatory note last week when I saw they got banned in Canada. And the reason why is because if you, if you look at it historically, Caesar always starts, starts the martyr creating martyrs when he knows he can't win the argument. This is always the, this is always Caesar's last step. Uh, this is his battle of the bulge. If you get the historical reference, this is kind of his last stand. And that's, that's the proof that you won the argument when they know they can't even air your viewpoint because it's so powerfully done. And what I think that movie does so well is I think we have to learn on the pro-life side, there is a difference between being pro-choice and pro-abortion. There's a difference. Just like we, just like Alabama may have taught us in the last week, there's maybe some people who thought they were pro-life and then when they were actually showed what that means, they were kind of like, well, maybe not, okay? But likewise, there's a lot of people that wouldn't get an abortion, find, the, find it abhorrent as a practice, maybe had one when they were younger and greatly regret it. And for all, but for all those various reasons and others feel uncomfortable saying, who am I to impose on the choice though that somebody else would make? And I think they're the target audience. I think, I think they're the ones that have to be truly confronted with what it, what is the choice you're, you're, you're actually assenting another human being to make about another one. I think they're the fertile ground. They're the ones we ought to be trying to reach with our debates. Uh, I mean, a death cult just cannot be reasoned with whether it's a wick, whether they're bowing before a Planned Parenthood uh, clinic or you know a wicker man. You're not real. You're not going to reason with those people. You're you're looking for the folks who who are kind of benign, benignly supportive. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. And when we target the kinds of people we target online with our content, and we actually have a video also how you can't be personally pro-life. You can't kind of, you can't be in the middle on abortion. I wouldn't have one myself, but I can't take away the right for somebody else. And we explain why that is because you're talking about another hu- a group of persons, human rights. And do they get protected or not? It's not just about what choice you make, but it's about do they get to exist in this country or not? Do they get to be born or not? But I think you're right. I think a lot of people are 
not fully convicted one way or the other yet. I think that we were all born pro-life, meaning any kid, when you talk to them about abortion, they find it repulsive. Mm -hmm. They're very, the instinct is to be pro-life, which is very human. It's very natural. But then we get brainwashed by the school system and by media. And we start to think, we start to get afraid of losing control because I think promiscuity has a lot to do with this. I think a lot of fear and just the sexualization of our culture and misunderstanding what sex is use is. So that's a whole other conversation. But there are many people who are good hearted, who want to do what's right. They just haven't been empowered with the right information. And they haven't been really, I think, encouraged to see that being pro-life does not harm women. It doesn't set us back as women and hurt our potential to be our, our equality under the law with men. But instead, abortion hurts women. Abortion is a violence against us, just like it is against our children. And we have to do better than saying to a woman or a girl, you have to kill to move forward in life to achieve your dreams and your goals. So that messaging has been very powerful. And the more people we get it to, the more people are open-minded and shift more and more pro-life. Lila Rose from Live Action. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, huge fan of the work you guys do. Thanks for joining us here today on The Blaze, Lila. Thanks, Take care. God bless. Thanks, Steve. Do you have a stoplight on your kitchen table? No, you don't because... That would be creepy and weird, but uh, you need one in your body. The good news is your creator, nature, gave you one. Uh, it's it's this substance called OEA that uh, the gut sends to the brain when it says, hey, we're full down here. We can stop eating and regulate our metabolism accordingly. Unfortunately, for some of us, that signal's just not as strong as it needs to be, particularly as we get older. And that's where Riduzone comes into play. Uh, all they want to do. There's only three ingredients. One of them's rice. The overwhelmingly main ingredient is this OEA. They just want to put the OEA back in your body. So no caffeine. This isn't a stimulant. Uh, this is just getting your body to regulate its metabolism the way it used to or the way it's supposed to. If you want to give this product a try, it could be the missing link to you winning your personal battle of the bulge. Here's all you need to do. Uh, use my name as a promo code. You get a special offer when you go to riduzone.com. Uh, my name as in Steve. Okay. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Riduzone.com. Some thoughts on the conversation we just had with Lila Rose, gentlemen. I've always, she's one of the people that are out there that is the most authentic, in my opinion. And I, I, I regularly, when I'm reading something about her, I remember the first time she came on most of our radars and is, gosh, Steve, is this a, like a decade ago now yeah. with, with James O'Keefe? And she went undercover as yeah. a prostitute. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just all in on this issue when and, and to hear her be so patient with with all the people she's trying to convince there's a grace in her uh that is remarkable and i i pray for that grace because i know it's not in me because look at she, she, her entire adult life she has been going to the mat for this and i as a father of four daughters i can only hope uh that one day uh they are as passionate about doing the lord's work as that woman is i think she said something really interesting that you, I think with us having children, I've noticed it with mine, that the natural instinct for children is to be pro-life. I remember a few years ago when Noah had to be in the hospital, a stomach virus that was just wreaking havoc and we couldn't keep him properly hydrated at home. He had to be in the hospital with IVs because he was gonna, you know, shut down. And so he was there for uh, a weekend. And one of the second night that he had to be overnight, Amy stayed with him and I took the girls home, his older sisters and uh, we came back the next morning to see him and his mom. And as we went to leave, uh, there used to be a Planned Parenthood clinic right across the street from 
ironically, Mercy Hospital in downtown Des Moines. Yeah. It was there for years and years and yeah. years. It's closed now. Okay. But it was still open when we, when we were, when Noah was in there uh, several years ago. And when we pulled out there, uh, Zoe was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old. And she asked me, Hey, what is that place? And Anna at, uh, you know, 12 years old was old enough. She knew what, what, what went on there. And so she was like really quiet and, and, you know, wondered, hey, you always had this motto with me. When we ask the right questions, we're old enough to get the right answers. <laughs> Zoe asked a question. I don't know the average eight or eight, nine-year-old really wants to know, you know, what the answer to that mm -hmm. question is, but she asked it. So I told her what they did. I said, they kill little children in there that people don't want. And people go in there and uh, women have uh, medical devices inserted into their bodies to suck the brains and the limbs of, of their children out of them and then tossed away like garbage. I told her the truth. And, and her mind just could not compute why we would do this. And she's like, why? <laughs> that, was the, that was the only question she could summon mentally to answer, you know? And that is a suffer the little children to come on to me moment. That they have, they have not been as... They're still little sinners when they're born like any of the rest of us are, but they have not, their, their reason hasn't been totally sullied by the full rash realization and manifestation of their own sin, for example. They don't, they don't have yet adult level functions and therefore the temptations that go along with those things. So you're talking about Romans too. We can't help but not know the yes. truth if, and yeah. they still have not been sullied enough yes. to not be able to see it in fundamental ways. Yeah, and, and, there's, and there's really no answer to why we would do that other than apart from God, we will just do evil things to ourselves and to one another. There's just no other answer than that. Aaron, your thoughts. It's while I, while I was listening to you and Lila talk, I'm, I'm, I was asking myself the question, how, how is it that this is, uh, this, this issue is actually being debated now when the other side, that, that clip that we that we showed earlier, courtesy of, of Breitbart, actually, where the pro-lifer uh, at one of these Stop the Ban, uh, Stop the Bans rally asked one of the pro-abort protesters, so when does life begin? And the answer was, and I quote, um, while censoring myself, F you, F you, yeah. F you, yeah. F all of you ignorant bleeps. How is it? that we're actually having this argument um, if it is not that we're actually that the pro-life side is actually akin to a, a runner finishing a race who thinks he's so far out ahead he or she is so far out of head uh, out ahead so they start to slow up and they don't realize uh, that somebody is coming up right behind them that's kind of how I liken this race not that it's a game not that it's uh, something uh, immaterial or frivolous like that but I do like the, the, the reactions that we're seeing from the pro-abort crowd. And again, the pro-aborts are different than the pro-choice, but the pro-abort crowd, the reactions that we're seeing to that, uh, this is they are shell-shocked. I really do believe that right now at all of, these, all, all of these bills that are happening and the fact that they actually have to be on the defensive because we're seeing defensive responses from almost all of them all of the time. And we went yeah. into great detail about that last week as well. So that tells you how we're able to coexist if it were not 
that we I, I don't I don't see how would how we would even be having this argument if the pro-life side of the uh, of the equation did not have momentum in the overall debate because if if we did not have momentum in the overall debate we would still be in the middle of the desert trying and clawing our way to get any pick any fight on this at all with the pro-abort crowd now it seems like these are coming up every week more and more every day more and more examples of pro-aborts going nuts of lawmakers now going nuts um that's that's the sign that we've got them on their heels but you can't let down obviously no You've got them on their heels, and and you did it because you're set. You know, I've got a column out from the, for the Blaze right now, and we've talked about how Alabama's law separated the wheat from the chaff in the pro life movement, and that's a necessary separation. But it, but every bit as necessary, maybe even more so, is you had to separate the pro choice people from the pro death people, and those are two different things. There, there's a reason why they chose the pro-choice moniker and they like to call us anti-choice because if they, if we're pro-life and they oppose us, what does that make them? Anti-life. Think that sells? Pro-death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, who, who's, who's buying an anti-life shirt? Like, like let, let, let's take the entire abortion argument and put it in its rightful context. If they were ever branded anti-life or pro-death, would they have ever sunk their teeth, their claws into the Girl Scouts hat Ever? Ever. No. No. But Planned Parenthood wasn't going to sink its claws into the, into, the, into the Girl Scouts. They realized if we allow ourselves to be defined as pro-death and anti-life, so we're going to come up with something more benign and merciful sounding instead. That's how they've made, they've gotten away with this because we have refused on a political level to force the conversation there. Some of the reasons why I don't know. One of them, I'll just tell you why. Because the Republican Party didn't want that to happen because it it was going to ignite a debate that they didn't really want to have. That's why. You're making my point that, uh, about Beto O'Rourke earlier. How long have they gotten away with changes of language, global warming, climate change? Yes. Now we forced him to just, he's out there saying the world is going to die. Yes, I know. Yep. That's the point I was we, trying to we make. Are not, we, 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 we held on it. You know, the McCain wing of the party wanted to negotiate on cap and trade 25 years ago. All right. And the fact that we said no long enough. Now you just see them change their terms and and basically just comes down to you hate, you hate, join my death cult. Think the world's going to end like I do. That's really all that it is. That's all that there's not any reason here. I have been replying this in so many of my emails recently. And God bless you guys and gals who are sending me these notes. And you're pointing out all of the obvious logical fallacies. And I just keep replying back to you guys. You're right, but you're attempting to apply reason where there is none. It's not that your arguments aren't good. It's that they don't care. This is why we disdain this idea of just sitting around all day and reacting to the weirdness in the liberal media. That's not our target audience. Well, it is. It is, depending on our goal. If our goal here is just to simply build the biggest brand we can, make the most money we can, and be as, be as professionally successful as we can possibly be, then that is our audience. Because it has been proven there is no faster track, in career track in conservative media than clickbaiting the liberal media and, and making a life out of just responding and reacting to them. 
Now, if your goal is passing on to this and, and the next generation, the last best hope for freedom and liberty, on, you know, east of Eden till Jesus returns, that's not your target audience. You're looking for people who have bought into talking points they've never truly had to understand the, the actual meaning of. That's right. All right? And that's where the argument ultimately will be won in the pro-life fight. We'll be back with Buy, Seller, Hold here in a moment. Stay tuned. All right, it is that time again this week, our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold, brought to you by Cruise Builder. Glenn Beck and several VIPs here at The Blaze are putting on a phenomenal cruise tour next spring. It's called The Cruise Through History. You can explore Venice, the birthplace of commerce, tour Greece, the origin of the Republic and the and democracy. Walk where Jesus and his disciples shared the gospel that sparked Christianity. Uh, this is going to be a cruise like no other, and you can bring your children or grandchildren along as well and share the experience. Show them the region of the world that uh, inspired American exceptionalism, Italy, Croatia, Jerusalem, Israel, Athens, and Greece, and there's going to be plenty of fun there too and relaxation as well. If you want to learn more details and about the different packages to be a part of this trip next year, visit the website, comesailaway.com. That's comesailaway.com. All right, buy, sell, or hold. Here are the rules. Aaron puts out a series of statements on uh, it could be a plethora of different topics. Normally, uh, these statements are supplied by you and the audience. Todd and I will decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? Maybe, hopefully, have at least one good reason why. Once per show, we are allowed to put a hold, though, on your proposition. If it's for any other reason other than what you are asking us to predict is so lame and beneath us, it doesn't dignify a response, then you will be mercilessly mocked, scorned, and derided by the dude code for punking out. Aaron. First one is from John, who says, it would serve the Republic well to convene in uh, Congress in a high school auditorium and the Supreme Court in a traffic courtroom for the next decade. Totally buy. Uh, I would buy. The only reason I would sell is you didn't go far enough. I think it would what serve the Republic to not... was yesterday that you were talking yes, about? Yes, I, I think it might do the Republic well not to convene them at all, <laughs> actually. Uh, tell, me how we'd be, how, tell, me, tell me how we'd be worse if we convened neither of those institutions at all. And if we just said to the 50 states, you know what, here's what we're going to do for 10 years. Um, all, all the federal government is going to handle for the next 10 years is national defense. That's it. That's all it's doing. We don't have federal appellate courts. We don't have a U.S. Supreme Court. We don't have a Congress. Hell, we don't have a Congress now. It just waits to sit around until the courts tell them whether they can actually make the laws they've already made or not. All, right? all we're handling is national defense. You guys take it from here. It's on you. Don't send us the, don't send us your tax dollars to fund Medicare and all that stuff. Keep it at home and just do all that yourself. You got this. As you see fit, the way your individual states, you know, want to see certain things done, all you. We just got we're going to do this for 10 years and we we're going to handle national defense. That's all we're doing. Tell me how anything would be worse. Maybe I'm missing something. Would anything be worse? Taxpayer-funded uh, gender reassignment surgeries would uh, suddenly become an issue of national defense. 
<laughs> they already are. Actually, we're already there. Yeah, but tell me, tell me how we would be worse, Todd. Can you think of a reason? I cannot. Oh, try. You might like it. I don't know. But that would be my suggestion. Todd? I'm with you. He nailed it. Jim says, Rush Limbaugh will hang up the golden EIB microphone within one year of Donald Trump leaving office before or after in a two-year window. So I, I have no idea. I, I don't, I've never met Rush. I don't know him at all. Um, I, I'll sell. I, I'll sell just because I'm not qualified to give an opinion I, on this whatsoever. He, and I'm, I don't know specifics either, but I, uh, I do know that he, what, he, he lives on his own. He's already Dr. Moreau. He's got an island where his studio <laughs> I is. Doubt he's, I doubt he's doing anthropomorphic no, experiments no. <laughs> that are of a questionable nature. But yes, but he, he does have his own island. He doesn't yes. need to, like go away to his next life his next life is right now i mean i think he might as long as he's healthy he i mean he'll do it for another decade not to mention you get to call your own shot if yeah. he wants to take a month off no one's going to tell right. him no first of all the quality of, of guest host he can get number one the amount of revenue his show still generates number two and and why would you give up a platform where you're a naturally opinionated individual and people are still interested in hearing your opinions. And especially when you've reached a stage in life where you can do this at your own whim whenever yeah. you feel like it. Yeah. Why would you why would you just turn That's it down exactly altogether? Right. Yeah. All right. This... So actually that I am gonna sell that. Yep. I'm more than just a lack of knowledge. More the more we game plan that out, I'm gonna sell it on the merits. Yep. Uh, Dueling Politics says, in an effort to exercise her reproductive rights, a prominent pro-abort has a public abortion on Facebook Live, and Facebook allows it. Bye. Like bye. With any of these, yes, bye. 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 Um, they're, they're inching there. You know, there's a TV show on Hulu I've seen promoted about a girl who goes to get an abortion and feels really great about it. And you see her getting the abortion in the preview, Um but you see it from her perspective. They only show her from the head, you know, from the from the torso up, so you don't see what's actually going on between her legs. Okay, they're inching closer to it, and you have to understand that when 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 cults can't beat you with intimidation anymore, when their talking points don't work anymore. That's that that's the, that's the kind of intimidation I'm talking about. When their when their talking points don't intimidate you into not stifling your own arguments anymore. They will the next step they'll take is shamelessness. And this goes to what Aaron has pointed out. If I just drop f bombs that the world it, hey, I told you last week the world was going to end for 10 and 10 years. You didn't believe me. Well, now it's effing going to end in 10 years. Will you believe me now? This is always how a cult responds. Shamelessness is the next stage. And you're and you're brazen shamelessness, and you're going to see this more and more, and um, that's that we're entering into that stage of the conversation now. Yep. So you're buying that as well, Todd? Yeah, I did. All yeah. right, this one is from Jason. Watching soccer in slow motion while taking estrogen is more tolerable than the ultimate Groundhog Day jelly of the month. That is all things Mueller. We are rapidly inching towards that. Yeah. I I feel your pain. I'm getting there. You know, at this point, just some, can we just, just subpoena Bob Mueller, okay? And if he goes up there and says, Bill Barr uh, butchered, bastardized my report and with his letter and blank, 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 why? Okay, I'm in then, right? Until then, I don't care. 
you know, at this I, point, I, it's not that I'm lazy, Bob. I just don't care. At this point, I would settle for just an all-out, you know, um, cult versus cult battle royale over the tobacco age. You know, just something to break up the monotony. <laughs> maybe that was Ditch's. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what. Maybe that's the brilliance of Ditch there. Maybe that's why Cocaine Mitch is doing this. He's like, you know, I thought I was going to get my caucus to stop talking Mueller, and then I got Burr over there subpoenaing the president's always, son, and, and now I can't. And now this chest. is all this turd got dropped in my lap. What absolutely trivial issue could I possibly raise to pick another fake fight on Lundarts? This is this isn't even going to be buy sell holder anymore. I mean, the cynicism that has been ratcheted up is such that it's it's, hit me, yeah, hit me. So that's it. uh, That's it. You're you're buying that. Yes. Okay. Uh, Bill Kindle says uh, we'll see a return of EA Sports NCAA football for Xbox and PlayStation by 2021 after some some hand wringing by the NCAA, which may lead to collegiate players getting paid for the first time ever for their likeness. Totally agree. This is an easy buy. Hundred percent sell because of the timeline, but that, I agree that that will happen. It will. Dude, the game will be later. back for the 2021 season. Are you sure? Yep, I'm pretty confident. From your lips to God, yeah, ears. I'm pretty. They won't get. They won't get. If you look at what the NCAA does, they once they ever enter into, and in whenever they say we're going to look at an area we previously said was verboten, they have never, ever historically ever come back and said. We're not going to do that verboten, yeah. it is because they know because the only reason they ever go into an area that they previously said was verboten is because they know if they don't go into that area on their own, it will be foisted upon them by outside sources and they may not like that deal. So there, the, the video game coming back will be one of the ways that they'll inch themselves into the name likeness game. And they, they, they know there's a tremendous amount of goodwill about that game. They know there are no former players, no current players who view Ed O'Bannon um, as some kind of hero. No. They all miss the game. They're yeah. on Twitter all the time saying, you don't have to pay me. Just send me a copy of the game and Ed make sure, make sure, ma- make sure I'm Just good. Total they all want the game. They tweet, they tweet about this. Um, there's a, there's almost a tweet every day by some high profile college athlete wishing the game was back. All right. So the game will be back. Uh, if they won't get this done in time for the 2020 season, but I agree by 2021, especially here's why it will also be 2021. Do you know what comes out in Christmas 2020? All your next-gen consoles are coming out. PlayStation 5 and everything else will be out uh, for the Christmas shopping season of 2020. All right, so there's no point, even if the NCAA agreed to it, there's really no point going through the entire rigmarole of designing the game for count for, for, the, for 2020 anyway, even if you could, because those consoles are going to be obsolete in a year. So that's absolutely when you do it. Uh, is the timing actually works out perfectly. They so better the game be will working be back. on it. They, they better be working on developing it right the now. The game will be back for the 2021 season. I agree. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was way over my head. Jeremy and You PA. don't understand how important this damn game is. No, you really do not, Todd. <laughs> I'm still in tech mobile world. <laughs> you know what we should do for our Christmas special once that game comes out? We should bring one of our PS4s in, Steve, and make Todd play some football. I yes. play. Yeah. yeah, sure. Uh, Jeremy and PA says... No, hold on. I, I don't think you understand. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, Jeremy says, Pittsburgh will get an NBA team before basketball team before another World Series. A sell. Oh, I'll sell. Yeah. I mean, they've, been the, they've been in the playoffs, you know, that was, that, that, several times. That's a take from like 15 years ago, man. I mean, yeah. we've had the, the Royals, the Brewers are... I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the Pittsburgh's good. Uh, David says... They were in the playoffs a couple of years ago. With oh, McCutcheon and all yeah, those guys. Yeah. yeah. David says Joaquin Phoenix will be the second actor to be nominated for an Oscar playing the Joker. 
buy. I could buy that. I could buy it. Um, it's a hard proposition at this point. It is. See, here's the thing. He can't just have a great performance, though. It has to be a really good movie. Like, I think, I think one of the best acting performances of the last three years in any film is James McAvoy and Split. Now, the film, though, probably wasn't good enough Have you to get him the Oscars a, lately? It has to be a really good movie for them? It has to be a critical... Well, <laughs> let me, that's a good point. Let me rephrase that. It has to be a critically acclaimed movie. Is that, a, is that okay? Are you better with that? So it could suck in week. The three of us could yes, hate it. Yes, yes. Oh, th- yeah. yeah, now okay. I believe that. Yeah. Now, the, the Dark Knight was a critically acclaimed film. In fact, the movie that, it was the movie that caused them the next year to expand the amount of nominees... For, that they had for Best Picture mm. from five to, I think it's 10 now, because there was such a controversy about how could this film not be nominated, all right? So um, if the film is critically acclaimed, especially given his previous body of work, no brainer. But the film has to be critically acclaimed. Like if, if the reviews come out and say, movie's not that good, although he's mesmerizing, he won't be nominated, I believe. Next one is from Diana. The U.S. hits another recession before Aaron buys a house. I'm going to sell. Yeah, that's where I was leaning to. Uh, I mean, what, what are we defining as a recession these days? Well, the technical definition is, is negative, zero to negative economic growth. That's the te- typical definition. My favorite definition is Ronald Reagan's definition. That is, recession is when your neighbor doesn't have a job and a depression is when you don't. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's my favorite definition. Um, because here's the thing. I mean, what was economic growth last quarter was 3.25? Five. 3.5? 3.25. 3.25. Okay. If it's 2.6 next quarter, what's all the, what's MSNBC and CNN going to say? Right. We're in a recession. recession. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of this is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Okay. But by the technical, if let's go for the sake of the argument, technical term, then, uh, yeah, Aaron will buy a house before that. I'm actually going to buy this proposition because I think I want to buy a house when prices go down. So whenever that happens, whether it's a recession or some other. Uh, David says Arnold Mooney will win the GOP Alabama Senate primary for Doug Jones's seat. Bye. It's early yet for that. Um, and by the way, he is the father of Gaston Mooney, who's our president here at Blaze TV. Uh, and uh, has served in the state legislature there for several years. Uh, the pro-life legislation in that state that has caused all the right people to be offended. Uh, I mean, that's something he's worked on there down there for years uh, in the state legislature. Here's what he needs. Um, and and I, that's why I'm going to use my hold here because it's a good question, but there's two things that aren't yet known. Um, he either needs A, a Trump endorsement, or B, to raise his name ID high enough that either Trump will then, well, let me rephrase this. He either needs A, a Trump endorsement that instantly raises his name ID, or B, he needs to raise his name ID high enough on his own that either Trump will not endorse a campaign rival or Trump endorses him. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. What is, what, you, you know, I wrote in this, what did I write here in Truth Bombs? And if Gaston were here, if we were talking about his old man, Gaston's an old politico too. He would agree with me. All right. The saddest realization I finally had to come to in my political career is that the number one determiner of who wins elections was what? Name ID. Name ID. 
I mean, I, I'd recruit, we'd help, we'd recruit these candidates that were so great on the issues and like those shows you used to listen to, I'd like really vet these guys. Sure. They'd get like no votes. It's name ID. It's name ID. So he's got to raise his name ID. Now there's two ways to do that. He impresses uh, Trump enough that Trump does it for him or he raises it enough organically on his own that, that either impresses Trump and or convinces Trump just to stay out of the race then and not listen to Mitch McConnell say, you've got to endorse my guy because he's the electable candidate. He's the Luther Strange of the year. So that's why I'm going to hold. Uh, I'm going to buy. I, I think the, the moment here in Alabama is clearly a way where he can uh, attach himself to pretty readily, pretty organically. And also with whatever is going on in Roy Moore land, I think there's going to be a concerted effort to try to clean things up sooner rather than later and get around a guy. Chuck says Game Final of, one. Chuck says Game of Thrones returns to HBO within five years, not including spinoffs. So I'll defer to you. You know more about it. My understanding is this was the most expensive television show production value of all time. Yes. Right? So they're gonna And watching the Battle of Winterfell episode, I can see, you know, if you did that for eight years, I, I could see uh, a huge expense where that's concerned. You know, I don't know what it brought to HBO subscriptions, though. I don't know the answer to that. There's, you know, there might be a show like I mean, they're aren't they doing the they're doing a Tolkien thing, right? Uh, on some Netflix is ne- yeah, right. Netflix is doing. I mean, there's it. other stuff that's going to no. Fill Am- in. Amazon is doing is doing Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Netflix, Netflix is, is doing, doing C.S. Lewis. Okay, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that's just going to be other stuff. If you watched 60 Minutes recently and you own a home, I hope you paid attention when the FBI's former head of cybercrimes warned homeowners that foreign and domestic thieves can steal your home, do it all online. That's because home titles and mortgages are kept in databases that can be hacked. So if you've got equity in your home, that's what they're after. And here's how they get to you. They forge their name onto your home's title. Uh, then use that to borrow uh, as col- your home as collateral to borrow cash against that equity. And then they stick you with the payments. No bank or identity theft program protects you from this. But for pennies a day, Home Title Lock will be your home's title and mortgage guardian. Again, put a virtual barrier around your most valuable investment, your own home, with the help of Home Title Lock. And if cyber thieves tamper with it, Home Title Lock will mobilize to shut them down. Find out now if your home's title's already been tampered with or is vulnerable with what's called a home, uh, or I'm sorry, what's called a free title scan and report from Home Title Lock. All right. Normally, these are $100 value. You get them for free today at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, register your home with a free title scan and report today at HomeTitleLock.com. Final thoughts, gentlemen, quickly. What did we learn here today? What do you think? Layla Rose is a hero. Uh, be more like her. Yes. Uh, the uh, Again, this is a good moment for the pro-life um, movement, but you cannot afford at this point ever to, to, to step off the gas. You really can't um, with with whatever the issue is of the day, with it, what, whatever the great fight is of the day, whatever the great injustice is of the day. Um, you can never afford to, to take your foot off the gas because the forces of evil will never do so. All right, so that's going to do it for today's show. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, we're going to stick around here and tape an overtime post-show for you that'll be available later today on the Blaze TV website. We're going to discuss a topic that on purpose Todd and Aaron are not aware of and has not yet been formally brought up on the program. All right, so you're going to want to take a look at that later today here on Blaze TV. Until tomorrow, when we return, John 317. 
This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. 